0: Welcome to the Climate Pelicans Brief, a podcast bridging the gap between climate science and Louisiana frontline communities. I'm Corinne Salter. And I'm
1: Jill Tipitza. Join us as we disentangle environmental justice issues facing Louisiana using
0: peer-reviewed science, as well as the voices and lived experiences of community leaders. Our goals are to uplift activist platforms and raise awareness about the many environmental puzzles in Louisiana,
1: while contextualizing everything through the lens of climate crisis mitigation. Welcome to another episode of Climate Pelican's Brief. Climate change and its effects have surpassed undeniability and have become more and more felt by many communities, not even just those frontline communities, although they are often leaders in climate crisis advocacy. For young people like us, The fear and stress of living on our planet, under conditions not suitable or safe, are ever-pervasive. And under such overwhelming fear and stress, it can feel like we have little to no power against the seemingly runaway train that is climate change. If you're feeling this way, we're in the same boat with you. In fact, that's a big reason why we do this work and hope to educate people about the intersections of climate and environmental issues. We only have one planet and we want to see meaningful action taking place, especially in a place like Louisiana that has allowed industry, especially the fossil fuel industry, the most extractive and leading sector in global warming, to reign supreme. We're all united as inhabitants of this planet, so we all have a role to play ensuring its sustainability. So today, we want to talk about climate anxiety, highlight some historical student movements on campuses around the U.S., the importance of having students and young people in an active role in climate change movement,
0: So as we know now, if you've been listening to our podcast or just generally in tune with the most relevant issues facing our survival today, we're dealing with a climate crisis. This crisis we're facing is the single biggest health threat facing humanity to date, according to the United Nations. Um, And according to the same report by the UN, environmental factors take the lives of around 13 million people every year. And we can really only expect that number to grow exponentially as climate change worsens and the weather events we face get more more extreme
1: we're seeing that across the globe young people between the ages of 16 to 25 have reported negative feelings related to climate change one survey found that greater than 50 percent of survey takers um, felt sad anxious angry powerless helpless and guilty 75% said that they think the future is frightening. And 83% said that they think people have failed to care for the planet. Um, And respondents generally responded negatively in regard to government response to climate change, concluding that government response has been inadequate, leaving respondents without feelings of with feelings of betrayal rather than reassurance. So it's no wonder that so many young people are taking to the front lines of the climate change movement. It's us that are going to be bearing the worst of the consequences of climate change, um, and less so our current government officials and their old cronies,
0: right? Yeah. So, like, a lot of people are really scared because, as young people, we're the ones, like you said, that are going to be bearing the burden of this because of the inaction of our or the inadequate, insufficient action of our current government officials. So, you know, it it it's very anxiety inducing, and it also is like a big reason why we have such a big part in this movement.
1: So, right, we're like the first generation where like went like 50 years ago when climate change was discovered and people really started to think about it they were like well plan for this plan for your children plan for the future you don't want them to be having to deal with this this is we are the first generation that is having to deal with this so thanks guys you did not plan (laughs) yeah
0: Mm, what happened to those plans (laughs) um but yeah you know so but with that Um, We are seeing a shift uh, for the U.S. governmental response to the climate crisis, for instance, with the Inflation Reduction Act, which allocated $400 billion to clean energy. Um, And this is the most aggressive and ambitious act addressing climate change to date in U.S. history. But even then... The fact that it's still the most aggressive and ambitious, it's still like it's still something that we need to work on and we need to expand even more, because at this point, the U.S. really hasn't had an aggressive history against climate change. And so it's really time to buckle down and push it even further. So um, but even with that being said. Um, even with the Inflation Reduction Act, we have to be wary about the fossil fuel industry taking advantage of these allocations um, to only produce more oil and profit. For more on this, go listen to our episode on carbon capture and storage and how oil and gas companies plan to undercut and co-opt the Inflation Reduction Act's climate change efforts by using the money under the guise of clean energy only to produce more oil.
1: We won't discuss that at length in today's episode, but with climate anxiety, be wary of false or greenwash solutions created by these very companies and industry that are leaders in greenhouse gas emissions leading to climate change and how they might take take advantage of your climate anxiety to turn even more profit while
0: not even cutting their own emissions. Yes, very true. But we will save that rant for another episode. And trust me, we do rant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So but today we're here to discuss kind of the opposite end of that, you know, not just being undercut, but our power, our power that we have and the power that we have against the climate crisis. So academia um, being a great place for this power to really um, find its place Um, it's a place of intense scientific discovery and enhanced understanding through research. Activism and grassroots organization are what we do with those discoveries and understandings we formulate through that research that we get. So we know from our privileged and educated standpoint, that there are real threats to our health, safety, democracy, and rights. Um, our research in academia puts facts and statistics to support these understandings. Now we should use those. We should use what we learn to organize and raise awareness for others who don't have that same education or privilege of access to the information that we have. So we use our liberation to liberate others. Shout out to bell hooks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, our liberation, like you said, we are in a space that allows us to critically engage with issues socially, politically, etc., Um, therefore we have the knowledge which transforms into power to drive progression. More specifically, our power as students and young people. Let's start by looking at the rich history of students and activism. And we do mean rich. Very rich. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot to dig into there. A (laughs) lot. We've got a couple of good examples here. Student protests and demonstrations were integral in the civil rights movement. The Greensboro sit-ins sparked a widespread student movement throughout the South where four students from North Carolina Agricultural and Technical College. Staged a sit-in at a segregated Woolsworth lunch counter in Greensboro, North Carolina, and refused to leave until they were served. This occurred on February 1, 1960, and four days later, on February 5, 300-plus students had joined into the Greensboro sit-ins and essentially halted business operations because of the sheer volume of their protest. The four students, Azelle Blair Jr., David Richmond, Franklin McCain, and Joseph McNeil, brought national attention to the discriminatory and racist practices that were commonplace in southern food establishments, forcing places like Woolsworth to change their segregational policies. Student contributions have also shaped our international affairs as well. The Kent State University shooting was only back in 1970 when students tried to protest the U.S.'s growing aggression in the Vietnam War, the very war that elected President Nixon and made a campaign platform to and only to invade Cambodia two years later. Unfortunately, stu- uh, four students died and even more were injured when the Ohio National Guard opened fire on protesters. Mm-hmm. This event has been regarded as, the sparking, as sparking the first ever nationwide student strike in U.S. history, um, according to the Urban Institute. It also had caused more than 450 campuses across the country to close due to student demonstrations that has re- had resulted. So these are some really powerful examples of how students can really influence um, the state of affairs in the U.S. Yeah. and globally. And
0: globally, yeah. That's the thing is that we students really do have a lot of power. And I think that a lot of times... Our power gets um, seemingly undermined by like, you know, people that basically don't want foundations and institutions that don't want to see us ask for this change. But, you know, social change, like it's driven by sometimes radical action and like, you know, progressive action that is outside of the norm of what's expected. And so, you know, sometimes we do have to work against certain institutions because they are literally the ones that are upholding the inequality that we face. Absolutely. So I'm really glad that you use those examples because I think it really speaks to the power that we have just in like two examples. It shows you how powerful student movements and youth led movements can really be.
1: Right. Students and youth are respected in certain ways as like, yeah, I don't know, like the scholars of today. Right. I don't know what it is exactly, but there, there is a certain amount of respect that if something's going on, um, it, it does get the attention of the rest of the public. For
0: sure. Because like you said, we are the, like, we're pretty much the future. Like, we are the, the future. future so. <laughs> so we should be able to have a say in what the future looks like absolutely yeah so even today student movements have seen success with their demands for their school's divestment from the fossil fuel industry for instance new york state university is the most recent to divest from fossil fuels but more than 100 universities have committed to divestment which is really awesome and not a small number um for instance at um, whitman they have a campaign called divestment whitman um they had an oil spill action where students were all black and laid on the steps of their academic building and lawn. It mimicked the appearance of an oil spill. Um, I know, which I think is super cool. And, you know, we talked to Cheyenne, too, about, um, you know, being being creative and like using using these moments to really like be creative and you know share how we really want to um like you know what we really want to say but like in a way that's approachable and you know communicates what we're trying to say to like students that may not have the the same knowledge mm-hmm. that we
1: have and it's dramatic yeah. i love i love it's the drama. dramatic i <laughs> love we, we drama.
0: love drama <laughs> <laughs> we love the tea
1: we loved- <laughs> <laughs> i want to dress up like a seal and lay on Oh my god! Like an oil slick. Yes. No, really. It's
0: really theatrical. Yeah. I, no, I love that. Um, And another example is Fossil Free Penn. So in April 2022, so pretty recently, they staged a 39-day encampment on the campus green to demand the University of Penn to divest from fossil fuels. So and then following that, in October 2022, they stormed the football field right before a game and held up signs that demanded divestment. And so far, unfortunately, Yale and Penn are the only Ivy League colleges to have yet to divest. Um, But it's important to note that that this pressure has prompted official acknowledgement from Penn President and Board of Trustees, that's Liz McGill and the board chair being Scott Bach, um, of of the extractive and harmful contributions that fossil fuel industry has on climate change and injustice. So this can be a huge step in removing the social license that fossil fuel industry has, which is a good step towards divestment, although on its own, obviously it's not enough. But we are mentioning the fact that, you know, you have the president of, of Penn and the board chair of the board of trustees um, mentioning, basically take like acknowledging that the fossil fuel industry is extractive and does contribute to a lot of injustice and so the fact that they're even acknowledging that i'm not saying that on their part that they're doing enough they're definitely like liz mcgill and scott bach are not doing enough but the fact that they were forced to acknowledge it shows you just how powerful that type of thing can be
1: right forcing people in a seat of power to acknowledge something
0: like that yeah it sparks change it does yeah and it can be the first the it's a great step in the right direction so So. they're well on their way i think they're gonna get there yes go pin we believe in you (laughs) (laughs) go y'all yes y'all can can do it um but yeah in fossil um another group sparked occupations between september and december 2022 more than 50 in more than 50 schools and universities around the world um yeah where they basically in fossil hashtag in fossil were able to occupy um 75 universities and schools in May 2023, which was really awesome. So the fact that they're able to um, kind of like occupy and create these movements around different campuses um, just shows you again, like how powerful um, university movements can really be. And so if there's one thing that we're really seeing a theme of, it's that we have serious power and visibility for instance lsu is very well known i mean look at the turnout at the games and the national attention that our sports programs get i mean literally Cardi. So much. yeah cardi b mentioned lsu in a song yes yeah. really yes. which one? Oh gosh no, oh, okay. Okay. i'm gonna I'll sound just, like a fake cardi fan if
1: you know <laughs> oh no i'll just listen to the whole album and figure it out
0: yeah i just yeah. like yeah she i'll send it to you but she okay. says like you know I she We'll said, link it at the show. Yeah, okay. Don't okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like such a fake fan, but I love yeah. Cardi B, okay? <laughs> we love
1: her. Yes. Especially
0: um, if she mentioned L, she mentioned LSU. I mean, look at like the national and the national attention that we're literally getting. So People know who people know what LSU is. People know who we are. And we have the power needed to stand at the front lines for the climate movement and share that power with grassroots organizations who are fighting for the same climate justice.
1: Um, so clearly we have this power to force universities and government to really address the um, this wide range of concerns that we have. And we have power in numbers, too. Yeah. On campuses, we engage with different classes and our fellow students are often in different disciplines. For example, um, with the climate movement, we can engage with students that are in political or administrative majors to gain perspective on policy change toward climate justice. We can engage with natural and physical science majors like us Mm -hmm. to understand the science behind climate injustice and develop more socially engaged scientific research geared toward climate justice. Communication majors too. We can learn a lot from them on how to engage with diverse audiences to build capacity and communicate scientific issues because scientists like us don't always uh, (laughs) communicate the most clearly. Even engineering students who are gearing up for jobs in industry, they can lead the charge in demanding justice within the workplace, which in turn can translate to climate justice when employees in these fields are given the proper workplace protection and tools to prevent things like oil spills and industrial explosions. And they can bring climate justice-centered methods to industry, which well, heaven knows we all need. Right. Um, so all of which would change industry ch- standards from the inside out. And these are just to name a few of academic disciplines that can contribute. The possibilities are truly endless when it comes to who can engage in the climate movement. We are all impacted by climate change and we can all stand to learn something from each other and grow our movement and react. And re- and enact real justice.
0: Yeah, I I really love that because those are just like a few examples. Like literally right. you can be creative and like I mean, the thing is is that like like you said, everybody's impacted by climate change. So, we all have a voice. We all have a perspective to contribute to this and we all have our power to be shared with the climate movement to to enact real change like you said
1: yeah and you don't have to be a student to know that like you you have a little you might not be able to tackle the whole problem by yourself nobody can but like you can contribute something you can use your profession or your perspective or something to like just like you know add your two cents to the movement and but like on college campuses around the U.S. and around the world like we really do have this very unique situation where we're with people who are learning and um, in an, an environment that fosters like intellectual exploration, exactly. and getting involved in these types of things. So just like think about what your major is and what really sparks your interest in things and how you
0: might be able to add your own two cents to our movement. Yeah. And just like honestly have a conversation like Because climate justice and just justice in general is so intersectional, like just have a conversation with somebody that, you know, maybe isn't even in your major, but like you don't know the ways in which you could both contribute to a meaningful conversation towards climate justice. So that's all just to say that we have literally an access to these like this interdisciplinary network of each other that can just all be used to build our movement totally yeah so and 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 another thing too our movements can grow even greater with social media Um, we can organize easier with it we can spread our message and uplift concerns for instance with the black lives matter movement it was bolstered heavily by during 2020 by the fact that we were all perpetually online well at least i was i'm not gonna lie i was (laughs) online a lot especially during we were all pretty terrified and like with our ear to the door being like oh my gosh what's gonna happen right exactly and we could easily share experiences resources and information on easily accessible platforms through social media and that's the thing is that we're kind of talking about like you know with climate pelicans one of the things is that we're trying to bridge academia and frontline communities that need our resources and information and our power. And that's the thing is that social media is accessible to everyone, you know, for better or for worse sometimes, but (laughs) anybody can have a social media account. And that can be such an easy and like accessible way for people to share resources and to uplift each other through that platform because, you know, um, everybody can get in it. Everybody can get on it. Mm -hmm. So um, and we can also get galvanized participation through that social media because it's immersive, reliable, I mean, relatable and easily shared social media can also help us overcome the lack of access to information that I just mentioned and resources that academia can create uh, because it's accessible to everyone. So a lot of times, you know, our academic journals and the things that we read are behind paywalls, unfortunately. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty frustrating, pretty sad. I don't love it, but you know, um, that's just the state that we're in right now. And social media is a great way to overcome that um you know obviously if it's coming from the right sources and um you know it's credible um we can share a lot of this information with people through social media and really educate people who don't have that access just on a regular day don't have an institution backing them up and giving them access to things through JSTOR you know so right yeah
1: there's good and the bad with the social media but like you know, it's good to latch on to some of the positive things that exactly. can provide our movement.
0: It's all about intentions. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also too, social media can spark dissent, which, you know, we talk about with Cheyenne as well. Like, um, even with um things like our climate, our divestment march, um, that we had last Last November, um, social media—it like people will get on and be like, "I don't like this. I didn't want. I didn't want to see y'all doing this. I don't understand why you're doing it." That is the beginning of a conversation, and that is the beginning of the bridge that we're trying to build. And dissent is really important to creating equitable and well-rounded movements because we need to hear from people that maybe don't always agree with everything because they might give us a new perspective that we maybe hadn't considered if we just keep our ears closed off to people that don't agree with us all the time.
1: Right, absolutely. And student and youth-led movements are evidently really integral to progressive change. With the climate change movement, we find so many creative and active ways to expel climate anxiety and move our systems in new directions for justice. But we also must keep in mind that there are real, really communities surrounding us that have been fighting for this justice for many generations. Mm-hmm. Like this is yeah. not a new thing. In Louisiana, for instance, climate and environmental justice is not a new fight for black communities. Yeah. If we want to enact meaningful justice-focused change, we have to keep frontline communities and their goals central. Um, they're hit hardest first. They're hit hardest um, and also the most disempowered traditionally yeah. as weather events become more intense, these communities, that is the um, communities in, frontline communities in Louisiana and black communities in particular, are going to be experiencing the brunt of increased intensity of storms on top of not having the support needed to bounce back or remove themselves from these zones. For more on this, um, you can listen to our third episode on environmental justice. So the bottom line is that climate change is going to affect us all going forward but it's going to disproportionately impact already disempowered communities, especially in states with such a heavily racialized history like Louisiana. And we cannot disconsider these communities in our movement. We cannot leave them behind in our movement, because if we do, then what are we even doing this for?
0: Right. Like, what what is the point? Yeah.
1: In fact, they should be in the front. They should be leading it. We should... Take their goals and hold them up and yeah. amplify them.
0: Yeah, give them that platform that we have as students because we we clearly do. Just based on the few examples that we provided, we have power and we can share that with them because you know they need that institutional power too. So yeah,
1: that's another way if we have institutional power.
0: Yeah, share it. Share it. (laughs) So yeah, we really need to keep our ear to the ground of the injustices happening um, literally right around us and be prepared to externalize our climate anxieties. So that means staying active and involved politically and socially, for instance, with grassroots climate and environmental justice organizations. And at the university too, LSU Climate Pelicans, our organization, um, our approach involves community engagement and divestment campaigns. So First our first Um, prong to our approach is our divestment campaign, where we try to encourage the LSU Foundation um, to divest from the fossil fuel industries and anti-climate lobbyists and use that money that they divest to reinvest in carbon-free energy. And our second prong to that approach is our community engagement campaign, where we try to build capacity for students and frontline communities to engage in climate, environment, and social justice efforts through meaningful partnerships and sharing of research i mean of resources um so this means we attend community events host rallies and marches lobby legislators and meet with you with lsu officials to discuss divestment from the fossil fuel industry
1: so yeah so that's our two-pronged approach that's where we're at right now yes. but if you're not um part of lsu climate pelicans you or, don't have the yeah. or, or you're doing other things go you or not at LSU um, we, at all. Yeah or yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many other people in the world who are not at LSU. Um there are so many other ways that you can get involved. We've got a couple of examples here. One voting yes if you're 18 and older everybody y'all please vote. <laughs> please vote we have an important election for our next governor in louisiana coming up soon yes that is very important please so <laughs> so important early voting is september 30th through october 7th the primary election is on october 14th and the general election is on november 17th mark your calendar yes everybody do. whip out a pin <laughs> just like rewind 10 seconds write all of that down put it in your phone put like, it in you your know. phone or yeah whatever <laughs> sort of calendar you use exactly. um do that make sure you're registered to vote in your city in louisiana and know where your polling place is yes and stay up to date on what the candidates platforms are and which ones are climate friendly and the ones who are not i would recommend following at louisiana bra <laughs> um That would be Louisiana, the state, Um, B-R, oh, sorry, H. It's like Louisiana. It's It's Louisiana bra. So yeah. Louisiana bra, I think is how it's supposed to be. (laughs) I think I don't don't even need to spell it out. I'm going to try it again. Okay. It's at Louisiana. H-B-R-A-H. Yes. On Instagram as they provide breakdowns of candidates in an engaging and easy to understand way. But also, hopefully you've been keeping up with the debates or at least the highlights. I will say it's interesting to... Ref- to sh- um, to refuse to show up to multiple debates, yet still expect to win—that's not like showing up to an interview and still expecting the job. Right, cough, cough. Jeff Landry, literally, who do you think you are?
0: Like, how do you? <laughs> h- okay, I—the th- audacity just to like the be audacity. like, you know, oh, I'm just not going to show up to the interview, but I still hope I get the job. Like, he's not hoping; he's expecting <laughs> to get he's the job. Expecting he's like, it. I am so important right. that I don't
1: have time to. Be part of this right. campaign, this conversation, this right. public engagement. I just
0: already have it guaranteed to me.
1: Yeah, and like, let's be honest. He, I'm not going to say anything.
0: No, I'm not going to mm-hmm. predict the
1: outcome because let's we not can manifest. all be. No, I'm not manifesting that at all. But like, I just think it's a very interesting energy because if you're approaching your campaign in a lackadaisical way, right. what do you think he's going to do when he's in office? Mm. Do you think he's going to listen to the public? Mm. Do you think that he's going to take your concerns seriously?
0: Because right. he can't even show up to the debates, which even, are
1: public concerns. Thank you. Yes. Do you expect someone who's going to engage with the public if he's literally from out the gate not engaging with the public? Right. So we won't harp on that anymore because I think we got our yeah. point across. <laughs> but another way of engaging. So a vote that's got it. You got to yes. do it. If you're over 18, you got to do it. Um, another way of engaging one that's often overlooked and um, is that a lot of these industries setting up in Louisiana need operating permits to spew their emissions. Yes. Um little known fact they can't just do it right although it seems that way it, does, it may seem that way so but. they receive these permits through our state authority um louisiana department of environmental quality or ldeq as the public would be harmed by their industry emissions we have a say in if these industry companies should receive their permits to operate or not and we have the right to be notified of those companies seeking permits and we can submit comments to say that they shouldn't have that permit or to voice our concerns about safety and health. And you can receive these notices via email by signing up at
0: very long, link. very long length.
1: <laughs> um, that, that is a honker. And we will just, um, we're, we're going to link that in the show notes, but it's like, it's from the DEQ page. So, Take a look for that. And for our non LSU listeners, if you're currently attending a university, check and see if they are invested in fossil fuel companies. One way you can figure this out is by combining or combining your school's name with financial language and search terms such as portfolio endowment, investments, private equity fund, ETF, and so on. So just Google that plus like your school's yeah. name. Um, for example, like LSU portfolio endowment will probably bring something up. I'm not sure exactly what, but right. probably <laughs> nothing because they're so secretive and they have little. Literally no transparency, but you can usually find your school's investments in this way, especially if it's a public entity. Um, Another way you can do this, if your school is a public university, um, it is considered not for profit. And therefore, you can use ProPublica's Nonprofit Explorer search engine to see your school's tax returns and to look into their investments in that way. And that website to go to, which we'll also link, is projects.propublica.com org slash nonprofits. Mm -hmm. After you figure that out, if your school is invested to fossil fuels, start a conversation. Or if they have their investment, the amount that's invested on ProPublica, but they don't have the breakdown of the sectors, you might have to ask for it. Um, So start a conversation with your school's administration. We've got another episode about divestment that you can listen to if you want like a full breakdown of how to go about doing that. Um, You can also write a letter to the editor for your school's newspaper. Meet with your school's boards of trust Board of trustees to discuss why they um, think it's appropriate to invest in such an extractive industry that's leading our p- planet down a dangerous path. You can also organize a march or just chat with other students and raise awareness about where their money's going. Cheyenne does that a lot, yes. the chatting with students. So important. so important. So fabulous. Not only are we paying into these institutions every single semester lots of money, lots of money. Or in our case, grad students, they're like, they're giving most of it back but that mm. uh, uh, varies <laughs> Very <low>. um that's <laughs> that's more, another conversation that's another conversation <laughs> but not only are we paying into them every single semester but we are also earning them money by virtue of attendance and sharing our skills yes. and also prestige is important to universities right. some more than others um but like your vote your are going there is Like you're showing up, you're being a shining star, you're rocking your classes, you're doing everything that you can, you are earning them reputation, you are earning them money by by attending, you're an asset to your school, you're not just, you really are, you know, you're not just a number, like you're not just just
0: a a demographic, you're part of the system, like you're literally the most integral part of the institution. So don't think that you don't have power because literally what would they do if they had no students? It wouldn't be a university. It wouldn't be a university. It would be
1: like an empty library, which right. is really, really sad. Um, yeah. So to wrap up, we have every right to speak up yes. or against where money is being invested in our universities. Exactly,
0: yeah, it's, we have every right. I love that you say that. Um, and right now we are at a very pivotal point in our lives. We have our youth, we have our voices, and our voices need to be louder than ever to fight the climate crisis. We are the ones that are going to bear the burden of the unsustainable choices made by our aging government officials and previous generations. So if we want to continue to enjoy this planet and ensure that the next generations of students and young people don't have it even worse, we need to stand up now. And if we've seen one thing, it's that this fight is winnable. It is just like the many fights for equality and change in the past. We have a place in this movement and we can create meaningful change today, but it does have to start today and it should have happened yesterday, but we still have today. So let's act today to ensure tomorrow. Love that. So we usually wrap up our episode with our to action,
1: but this whole episode has really been a call to action and we hope that you felt that way. We've tried to be specific. Um, about what we would some ideas that you can do and um we have the power and we need to use it right now right now we're acting today yeah um anyways you can sign up to become a climate pelican if you're a fan yes if you want to be part of our organization to be a part of the movement yeah join yeah. us if you're at lsu or you're a baton rouge local or yeah, Louisiana you don't even, local.
0: you don't even have to be an lsu yeah. student like you if can, you're just interested yeah Come
1: become 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 a pelican <laughs> check out our link tree for how to connect with us sign our petition to get lsu to divest and tell your friends about it yes show up to our rally we are going to have that rally in november we'll let you know yes. um like connect with our socials so that you can stay up to date on when that rally in M- march is going to be but show up to our rally we are really more powerful in numbers and just the sheer volume alone can make a statement to lsu and other university students that we want No, we need need. change now. So as always, our links will be in the show notes for all the stuff that we brought up throughout this episode. Yes, Thank you so much for taking this dive with us. Yes, thank y'all. Have a great week.